0: Welcome to Thoughts on Record, official podcast of the Ottawa Institute of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Each episode, we explore topics of interest to clinicians and mental health consumers from a cognitive behavioral perspective. I'm your host, Dr. P. Kelly. Just a quick note for the listener that this podcast was recorded March 27th, 2020, just a little over two weeks after the World Health Organization declared the COVID-19 outbreak a pandemic. Okay, everybody, I have Dr. Jennifer Karp with me today, a clinical psychologist at OICBT. Uh, Jen, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your focus of practice is?
1: Sure. So I work with children, adolescents, and parents, and I do a combination of therapy and um, psychoeducational testing to assess for things like learning disability, ADHD, and gifted status. I also do a lot of parent consults around behavior issues.
0: And so one of the reasons I want to have you on today is we're obvious, obviously, as a society and as a, as a you know, as, as a world, let's say, we are mm-hmm. experiencing an extraordinary set of circumstances where our day to day lives have been extremely disrupted. It's unclear as to when the disruption will end. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncontrollability. Uh, here in Ottawa or Ontario at the very least, uh, schools are closed down, uh, you know, dates are being thrown around, but more or less, we can assume that this is indefinite until there's some sort of clarity that emerges here. And this is pretty much the case across Canada, uh, as well, given all this, Jen, what would you anticipate are some of the more common challenges children and parents are going to be facing right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it is an extremely difficult time for for families. I think there's there's kind of a cluster of a whole bunch of different levels of challenge. So we've got uh, kids and parents having higher stress levels overall. We've got more concentrated time in the home without as many outside um, uh, kind of opportunities for, um, you know, uh, more opportunities for just having outlets. Uh, we've got, uh, some parents who are not working. So there's a lot of financial strain. We've got parents who are working and are trying to balance work and family time. Right. And kids right now often having more intense need for connection and wanting to be around parents while parents are preoccupied. Um, I think there's a challenge too, in figuring out like, some sort of schedule, how we're balancing some schoolwork, screen time, um, family time, uh, not to mention parents' own anxiety level, which I, I know for many families is quite high right now. And having parents in the role of, you know, trying to manage their own stress Potentially their work or not being on, not working, uh, dealing with their kids. So, so many different levels of challenge. And I think something that cuts across all of that is the uncertainty. Uh, So we know that people, uh, both kids and adults, we don't really do that well with a lot of uncertainty. And right now, um, that's really we're all facing that. You know, we don't know when schools will resume. We don't know what's going to happen. So I think that that's something that's really weighing on everybody right now, too.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I was reflecting on your list as you were, as you were going down. I can see elements of those in, inside my own family home at the moment, right? I'm a, a father to two, two young girls and uh, my wife is off at the moment. She's a teacher. So we're, uh, we're really navigating this just like every other family at the moment, despite what we might yeah. do professionally. It's, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Absolutely. Uh, Jennifer, how is a child likely to be processing this kind of a situation?
1: So the way that a child reacts and the signs of distress that they might be displaying can vary depending on their age, uh, previous experiences and how they typically cope with stress. Kids are also really impacted by how the adults around them respond to stressful situations. So, you know, with younger children who may not have the words to express their worry, you'll likely see behavioral signs. So there wouldn't just be one thing. Um, there You may see it, uh, a variety of different expressions of stress or anxiety. Some typical reactions might be reassurance-seeking, so a child who's asking lots of questions about am I okay, or, You know, whether parents are going to be okay, what's happening, when are we going back to school, so repeated questions. Um, some kids might be reluctant to separate from parents, uh, so really wanting to be physically close to them, proximity, uh, wanting to know where they are in the home. Uh, being concerned if they're leaving the home, Uh, so things like that. Physical symptoms are really common right now, headaches, stomach aches, aches and pains. Also, um, anxiety may present in terms of anger as well, like as moodiness or irritability. So some kids are having tantrums and meltdowns and displaying a lot of low frustration tolerance and anger. And trouble sleeping would be another common one, uh, that, uh, that's, I'm hearing a lot about too. So, uh, yeah, so those would, I would say those would all be pretty typical reactions. Um, and, uh, you know, just a few thoughts around, you know, with younger kids, sometimes it's helpful to use like a feeling chart. So for parents to give them a rating scale from, let's say one to 10, 10 being, you know, really strong feeling one being really low to, to just ask them, okay, well, how, you know, how sad are you or how, how angry are you? How worried are you? So that gives younger kids a way to help express they're feeling.
0: Oh, that's so helpful. Just building on what you've been talking about, how should we be talking to children about this?
1: That's a great question. So I think the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to talk about it. Kids are hearing about it. It's out there. It's in the news. Kids are talking about it amongst themselves. So by not talking about it, it can actually make kids worry more. And kids will use their imagination to fill in the blanks. So I think it is better to actually be really kind of be open, um, convey the facts. And and I would say kind of for parents to set an emotional tone in terms of being matter of fact about it. I think we can just kind of tell kids with more fact-based information what we know and really help them feel informed. Uh, We also want to be developmentally appropriate. So we want to answer kids' questions while not giving tons of information, um, doing our best to answer clearly and honestly. And it's okay if you can't answer everything. We don't know the answer of when schools will resume. We don't know all of the answers right now. I think the bigger piece is being available, is just, you know, having that time so you can check in and, um, and taking cues from your child. You may want to ask your child, like, what, do you, what have you heard about coronavirus? What do you know about it? Um, how are you feeling about it? And just giving them opportunities. To ask about it. Um, I guess the other piece that I'll say around that is that we want to strike a bit of a balance of re- with reassurance. So we want to give some reassurance. Um, some kids are worried about catching it and about getting sick, which is very normal. So it is helpful to reassure your child that, you know, generally there is low risk as long as they're following the guidelines and kids generally seem to be presenting with milder symptoms. Um, I think kids feel empowered when they feel there's something they can do. So, you know, teaching them how to wash their hands properly, um, things that they can do, like getting enough sleep and eating well. Um, I think that helps kids to feel like, okay, well, I'm doing my part. I'm kind of doing what I need to do to feel, you know, to keep my family safe. On the other side, though, we don't want to give tons of reassurance because we don't want uh, kids to become dependent on that. So that's kind of that tricky balance right now, I think.
0: I totally agree. And I think as a society, we're going to have to navigate that right in terms of we're putting a lot of, you know, appropriate hygiene measures in place at the moment. And um, we're going to have to at some point undo that to some extent. And uh, it's going to be hard to find the balance, right? Especially it if we're, is. especially if the threat remains unclear, if the virus is still circulating, and anyway, all to be navigated. We're not going to, you know, we can't solve those problems today. But certainly, that's been on my mind as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other thing that I'm thinking about too is. As hard as it is right now, there's so much doom and gloom is to try to look for some positives. Right. Um, there are some silver linings here. We can try to think of the situation as opportunity uh, for more connection time for families. Um, I am having families tell me that they're, you know, playing more board games together and they're you know, spending more time, you know, hanging out as families instead of kind of the hurried life that we all have of rushing off to activities and doing different things. Um, Kids are learning how to do more chores and be more helpful around the house, which I I think is positive in many ways. And also just becoming more independent, you know, feeling like kids can, uh, spending a bit more time having to kind of regulate themselves at points. And, um, you know, so I think that there are some positives here. I I guess the other piece I think that that speaks to what you were saying, uh, Pete, is just um, the importance also of modeling uncertainty. I think as parents, if we can try ourselves to model that we are managing with this very challenging and uncertain time. I think it sends an important message to our kids that it is possible to manage this level of uncertainty.
0: Thank you so much for making that point. And it it ties into a question that I wanted to put a bit of a finer point on around that is how much and and perhaps how should parents be sharing their own concern, if at all, around the situation?
1: I would say that just as a general guideline, I would encourage parents to not overly share their worries with their kids. Um, I think that it's okay to say mom's feeling really stressed right now or mom's really you know, overwhelmed. So I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to read my book. I'm going to go take a bath. So I think it's helpful for kids to know that parents uh, are humans and we all have feelings and we all deal with stress, but there are things we can do to help ourselves, right? That, you know, we can kind of make that link between I'm feeling this way and I can also go and, you know, do something to help myself feel relaxed or feel calmer. If you notice as a parent that you're really feeling anxious and really stressed, I think it is really important to tune in and really work on some self-care and just taking that, making sure that you are taking that time for yourself to have a break, relax a little bit, uh, whatever you need to do to kind of manage that.
0: What are some quote-unquote to-be-expected reactions versus reactions that a parent may want to be uh, taking just a little bit more seriously from a clinical perspective?
1: As I was saying before, some of the typical things, you know, in terms of reassurance seeking and physical symptoms, the moodiness, the trouble sleeping, those would all be expected right now. I think that it's actually not so much about having seen different reactions, but more about the intensity of those reactions. So, if, this, if the child is really persisting in, you know, having a, a cluster of these kind of reactions happening and it's really interfering with their day-to-day functioning, they are, you know, not really coping well in the day, they uh, are not able to, let's say, engage with peers at all or to get any schoolwork done or uh, they just want to sleep all day or they're, you know, just tantruming a lot and, um, and visibly distressed, that may be a time when a parent may want to seek out some more support.
0: Jennifer, how concerned should parents be about keeping ch- uh, children caught up with school at the moment? I know this is something that's causing a lot of stress in uh, the families that we're friends with. Uh, a lot of families are frankly just sort of kind of holding it together at the moment with just day to day life, dealing with sort of mm-hmm. the stresses of confinement. And then they're also thinking, oh my God, I've got to get schoolwork done and download lessons from the teachers. And there's just so much to manage at the moment as a child psychologist, what do you feel is the relative or right balance between those competing tensions?
1: That's a great question. And uh, yeah, I think that everyone is, is dealing with that right now. Um, My feeling is that it is important for kids to have some engagement with schoolwork just to kind of stay occupied and keep up their skills. But I definitely don't think it needs to be a whole day. I don't think it's realistic for kids to be sitting down from like a, you know, eight to three or anything like that. Um, You know, I've also spoken to some... uh, friends who are teachers. And as you mentioned, your wife's a teacher. Um, So my sense is that, you know, getting kids to do a little bit of reading, a little bit of writing, a little bit of math, maybe as a guideline, like no more than two hours in the day. Um, And, you know, I think right now my sense is in the big picture in the big scheme of life, kids will not fall behind. This is really about kind of keeping them engaged, keeping, keeping up skills, but not necessarily having to kind of continue advancing in the curriculum, um, and I think that it is like one thing I'm talking to a lot of families about right now is is really important that kids are getting time outside, they are connecting with peers um, online, they're having some free time to just get bored and just figure stuff out and be creative, and they have connection time with their families. So, from my perspective, emotional well being is really paramount paramount right now. And we're all in the same boat. The kids are all we're all in the same situation. So I think, again, I would really see schoolwork as something to keep with some engagement with, but not to necessarily feel that parents are having to suddenly become teachers and do homeschooling.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even in our house where my wife is a teacher, I think we're doing two hours max in the morning. And frankly, a lot of it's self-directed. Uh, My Mm -hmm. wife has a little whiteboard, so she'll put down some tasks for the day, like maybe math reading and uh, a little bit of art and the kids can kind of self-direct and, you know, read a little bit of, uh, of their books, do a little bit of out of their math workbook, but there's really no expectation that, you know, we're following a cu- curriculum of any kind. It's more just on principle to provide a little bit of structure for the day, keep, exactly. keep, keep those neurons kind of just firing a little bit, but, but really at the end of the day, you know, we're just, everyone's just going to have to do their best. I, I really like the point you made. Everybody is disadvantaged in the same way. Um, Exactly. At at this point,
1: we're all in this together. And I think that I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what I would be advocating right now is for families to kind of adopt a similar type of just kind of seeing schoolwork as just one part of keeping up with things in their their day.
0: What are some of the unique challenges that teens or adolescents uh, might be facing at this particular time?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting because you know as much as I think a lot of kids are really happy right now that their parents are home and they're getting a lot of family time, I think teens maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> I think that teens really are missing their connection with their friends. Um, so with teens, we want to emphasize the importance of social distancing, but I think the way we go about it um, really um, makes a difference. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think when parents are telling their teens don't go out, they may be getting a lot of pushback because teens feel invincible and they feel that they're in the low risk category and they're, they're safe. But I think teens need to understand that it's really not about the fact that they may feel fine. It's more about protecting others at a community level. And they could be asymptomatic carriers and can pass on the infection to others without knowing it. So even though they may say, well, my friends are fine, they're healthy, no one's sick. The truth is you can't, nobody can really know that for sure. And while they may be comfortable to take that risk, they're also bringing that back into the house. Right. So I think kind of just how you're framing it to teens is important. So again, it's not, it's, it's moving the focus away from them personally and more onto kind of a bit of a broader sense of responsibility. Um, I think the other piece though, that goes along with that is really validating their frustration about not seeing their friends. We know for teens, friends are hugely important. Uh, we want to acknowledge how frustrating it is for them and really listen to what they're saying and validate them. So, so they feel heard and understood. And parents may want to loosen the rules right now about time spent on social media, and really encourage their teens to be connecting more online.
0: That's super helpful, and I would imagine any family that has an adolescent or two in the home right now is going to benefit from that wise counsel because it's it's probably a real challenge. I would imagine at the moment, just trying to imagine myself as a uh, fifteen or sixteen year old right now, cooped up cooped up in the family home with mom and dad. That would be that would be interesting to say the <laughs> to say the least.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's really not ideal. And, you know, I think... the other piece is that, you know, teens are wired to seek out novelty and right. to seek out pleasure. And so right now, with this kind of very limited scope of their lives, you know, they're missing out on a lot of fun and important things. Um, so, yeah, I think we want to, again, just really do a lot of validating around that and and not necessarily reassuring them that everything will be fine because they may not really feel that. That may not right. feel genuine for them. But I think reinforcing, you know, your confidence in their ability to cope. Um, and the other piece is just encouraging them to sit with those feelings and accept them rather than fighting them. So if they're sad, if they're angry, confused, frustrated, that's all okay. It's all normal. And they can just sit with those feelings and and let them be there.
0: Well, thank you for that perspective, Jennifer. That's really, really helpful above and beyond that, which you've mentioned. uh, Are there any sort of generic tips, strategies, or perspectives that you would want to share or impart to parents, uh, adolescents, or uh, children at the moment?
1: I mean, I guess I would just kind of go back to the idea right now of we're all trying to manage this. This is really uncharted uh, time in our lives. Uh, We don't really have a precedent to fall back on for how to do this. So I think for everyone to give themselves some permission right now to kind of not always be okay, to be struggling, to have have challenge, um, to know that we're all in it together, that nobody is alone, and um, to really just try to take care of ourselves. And so I think especially for parents who are trying to juggle multiple demands right now, that self-care piece is really, really paramount.
0: Just building on some of the strategies and perspectives you've relayed so far, are there any online resources that you would currently recommend uh, to adolescents or parents?
1: Absolutely. So um, there's a great website called ChildMindOneWord.org, and they actually have an entire section devoted to coping during COVID nineteen. It's like a resource section for parents. Uh, so that's that's really useful uh, for kids and youth. There's a great free app called MindShift one word. Um, And it uh, has some really great strategies for coping with anxiety. It also has a section on uh, relaxation tools that kids can use right now, like calm breathing, muscle relaxation, visualizations. And then I would just say that, you know, there's also some supports if kids are feeling like they really need to connect to speak to somebody outside of the home. uh, There's Kids Helpline and there's the Youth Services Bureau. And they have phone numbers and they've got, um, uh, you can set up chats and uh, do texting as well.
0: Is there anything else that you want to add beyond the questions that I've asked today? Or do you feel like we've done a good job of I don't covering? Think,
1: I think, yeah, I think that really covers kind of all the, the things that I would be thinking about right now and wanting to impart to families.
0: Perfect. I think this is going to be so helpful and uh, look really looking forward to getting this up and posted so that uh, people can download and, and take advantage of the really good and helpful information that was offered today. Uh, Jennifer, awesome. thanks so much for your time. I know any time spent with me is time away from your family or from uh, <laughs> your, your clients. So I really appreciate your time today and uh, it's stay safe. No problem. Thank you. No problem. Stay safe and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds
1: great. Thank you. You too.
0: Well, I really hope that you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And now for the mandatory disclaimer. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Kelly and that of his guests. Content of the podcast should not be taken as psychological advice and is for general information only. Please consult your mental health professional for any specific questions around your psychological health. In no way does listening to our content establish a psychologist-client relationship. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect patient confidentiality. Finally, this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast.